said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord hath established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Verse 14 says, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought a man, sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded. A few principles that God brought to my spirit. I want to keep the commandments of God. How about you? I want to be obedient to God. I don't want to just go through His Word and choose the things that I like and the things I don't like. I don't want to go through His Word and I don't want to uh, take it out of context or it into course where it just benefits me but I want to be completely obedient to the commandment of God and uh, David we know that he made a lot of mistakes and he made a lot had a lot of faults and failures but he did his best to keep the commandments of God and then the Lord said that he was a man after his own heart I believe that's the greatest testimony that we could ever have is that we could have a heart like him amen and uh, I don't know why God laid this on my heart today I just maybe it's because of all the things that's taken place but I want to speak to us just for a little bit on this subject tonight a man after God's own heart amen I wish we'd lift our hands and love the Lord in this place together. We love you, Jesus. Lord, let your power, let your glory, let your spirit be manifested in this place, God. Lord, I ask your anointing to be with us in this church, God. Touch my heart, my mind, and my spirit, God. Lord, let your power be resident in this place. Why don't we reach over to the person beside you? Reach to the person behind you. If there's no one beside you, find somebody that you can connect your faith. Connect your faith to their faith just for a few minutes in this place. We love you, Jesus. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our spirits to the Lord. Amen.
Amen. There is more written about David than any other person in the Old Testament. How many knew that? So I guess if you're saying amen, that means you knew it. <laughs> Brother West says, I don't know. <laughs> there are six, 66 chapters in the Old Testament written and or given to the life of David. And there are 57 New Testament references given to him. So all told in the Bible, that's over 130 scriptures in the Bible that speak of or reference one of the Bible's greatest characters, and that's David. David was the youngest son of Jesse. He was a shepherd boy. He was a composer of songs or a psalmist, we may call him today. He was a giant killer, and he would become the greatest king of Israel. But the greatest testimony of David is not found in writing songs or being a psalmist. It's not in killing a giant or defeating a lion and a bear. It's not because uh, he had killed his uh, 10,000 and Saul had only killed his thousands. That's not the greatest testimony found in David, but it's the words of 1 Samuel chapter 13 that describe him as a man after God's own heart. We are also told in Acts chapter 13 and 22, it says, And when he had removed him, this is, he's speaking about Saul being removed as king. He raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who shall fulfill all my will. This should be the desire of every believer. Amen. I hope you're going to help me tonight. I know we didn't come to church Sunday, and so you might just be uh, on a vacation malaise or something, but I do need your help tonight. The greatest desire of every believer should be this, not to uh, uh, have a testimony that you wrought great things in the kingdom or or, or taught a lot of Bible studies, or won many to the Lord, or, or, or gave a lot of money in the offering, or your faithfulness, none of these things. But the greatest desire of every believer is to be like Jesus. Amen. To be a man or a woman with a heart that's like God's. And to be someone that desires to please God and to fulfill His every will. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect and, and we're going to live in perfection. It All it means is we are going to do our best every day. We're going to wake up with a purpose. We're going to wake up with one agenda in mind. We're going to wake up with one goal, and that goal is simply 
what can I do to please God today? And what can I do to fulfill His will? You see, we get it backwards often. We wake up and say, God, how are you going to please me? How are you going to bless me? What are you going to do for me in my life? We wake up with this mentality that says, God, you haven't done anything for me lately, so get on the ball and do something for me today. But that's not the desire or should be the motive of the Holy Ghost-filled believer. We wake up in the morning knowing that we have a job, we have school, we have family, we have things that we have to take care of, we have uh, all the things that, uh, that uh, encumber us and, and are required of us through the course of life. But we need to understand those are not our priorities. That our priority, our desire must be to please God and to do His will. Hallelujah. Let me ask you this. I want to be honest with you and I'm being honest with God. I have a problem with doing this. I did not do this today but the Lord convicted me in my spirit so I had to repent. I didn't wake up and say, God, how can I fulfill your will today? Am I the only one that didn't do that and needed to repent over not doing it? Is there some of us that didn't do it but hadn't repented because we haven't woke up with a desire to please God and to do His will? I believe on our jobs. I believe in our homes. I believe in our families. I believe with our children. I believe in our relationships. I believe in, in, in our entertainment. All the things that we do. We can do those things and be pleasing to God. We can do those things and find a way to fulfill His purpose. Amen. And we know that God rejected Saul as king and chose David simply because he was a man after God's own heart. And I just want to talk to us just about this a little bit tonight. David had a heart of dependence. When it came to dependence upon God, Saul took matters into his own hands. But David turned to God. I don't want to take things into my own hands. In my hand, I mess it up. In my hand, I do not make it better. In my hand, I complicate the matter and the process, and I create a bigger problem than what I already have. But in God's hands... In God's hand, when we turn things to God and we allow things in our life, those things that really matter to us to be in the hands of God. Hallelujah. Why can't we put the things that matter the most to us in the hands of God? Why can't we put our children? They matter the most to us. I can't fix them. I can't make them better. I can't make them uh, uh, make the right choices. But you know what I can do is I can put them in the hand of God. Things in our life are, 
our relationships, our finances, the things that we deem as the most important are the things that we want to hold the closest to us and we don't want to release. Hallelujah. But I want to release them and I want to express the the dependence that I have on Him. Hallelujah. I don't want to mess them up any longer. I want to take them out of my hands and I want to put them in God's hands because He will take care of them. Hallelujah. David wrote in Psalm 62 and 6 and 8, he says, he said, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. He said in verse 7, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Hallelujah. He would go on to say, Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before God. God is a refuge for us. Hallelujah. God knew David had a heart of dependency. And I want a heart of dependency for God. How about you? David had a heart of a servant. Servanthood is humility in action. A servant has one goal, and that's to serve his master. That's his only desire, is to serve his master. David expressed this desire, his attitude as a servant, humility in action. After he was anointed to be king, he went back to the shepherd's field to serve his father because he was a servant. We are told in Psalms chapter 89 and 20, I have found David my servant. With with my oil have I anointed him. I want to be a servant to the kingdom of God. I want to be a servant to the master. Hallelujah. I don't care how big the job is. I don't care how small it is. I don't care if I, I never get my name on light in lights. I don't care if anybody recognizes who I am and what I am. But if I'm seen by God, if he found me to be a servant like he found David, he said, I found David my servant. If he finds us being servants. If we have that servanthood mentality, you know what's going to happen? He's going to anoint us with his holy anointing. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9 and 35, he said, if a man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and a servant. Of all, David knew, or God knew, David had a heart of a servant. David had a heart of obedience. David's desire was to be obedient. He looked to find ways to honestly and genuinely discover God's will and to do it. How many are doing that? Am I doing that in my life today? Am I looking for ways? To find God's will 
Am I discovering ways every day in my life to do God's will? And am I doing those things? Are you doing those things? Are you looking for the opportunity, looking for the place that you can find a way to be obedient to God. I want to find that way to be obedient to God. I may have to surrender my spirit. I may have to surrender uh, uh, my human nature. I may have to put my will uh, under subjection to God. The Apostle Paul said he had to buffet his body daily. We may have to put ourselves into this frame of obedience, but if we will, we will find a way we will discover how that we can do God's will. Hallelujah. David said in Psalms chapter 40 and 8, he said, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. He would also say in Psalms chapter 119 and 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hallelujah. We know that Samuel told the disobedient king Saul, it's better to obey than to offer sacrifice. Hallelujah. Let me just include you on this information. You will not go wrong with obedience. I will not go wrong with obedience. I may not like the word that the preacher preaches. I may not like the word that is spoken to my heart. I may not want to surrender the things in my life that God asked me to lay down. There may be an agenda uh, that I would rather promote that God has another idea. You know what? God has a way of putting our ideas on the back burner. The things that we thought were so good, I have done this many times. You may have been in this situation. I thought I had the plan. I thought I had it all laid out. I had all the, the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And I said, okay, God, I've lined up everything according to how I want it. I want to be obedient to your will. And you know what? God turned everything upside down. And he said, this is what I think about your plan. This is what I think about your goals. This is what I think about your desire. I got you where I want you. I've got you where you need to be. Hallelujah. I want to throw this out just for a minute for somebody who's here, maybe hearing this in the Holy Ghost. If your plans have been turned upside down by God, pause for a moment and reevaluate things. And say, God, maybe you want me doing this, not that. Maybe you want me here, not there. Maybe you want me working in this way and not that way. So, God, I'm going to just put my agenda on hold. I'm going to crumple up my plans and throw them in the trash. And I'm going to let you do what you want to do. And when it's God's timing, and when it's God's plan, and when we are obedient to Him, hallelujah, we don't have to worry about the permissive will of God. That's when we force God into doing what we want to do. 
We don't have to worry about the permissive will of God. We can be in the perfect will of God. I want to be in the perfect will of God. I want God speaking to my life. Hallelujah. And I want to be obedient when he speaks. When he says go, I want to go. When he says stay, I want to stay. When he says move, I want to move. When he says work, I want to work. Hallelujah. I don't want to turn it around and say, God, I'm going. Bless me. I don't want to say, God, I'm working. Prosper me. I don't want to say, God, I'm moving. Come with me. I want to be like Israel. And I want to be like Moses who said, God, if you're not going with me, I'm not going. If you're not in this, I don't want it. Hallelujah. That's how we are obedient. Hallelujah. We desire, we must desire to be obedient to God. Obedience is not fun. Obedience is not something that we enjoy. Brother Kyler said it a few Sundays ago while he was teaching. We check the list of obedient things. I've done this, check mark. I've done that, check mark. I've done this. I've fulfilled all my obligations. And we do it through uh, out of uh, uh, necessity and we do it because we have to. Instead of desiring, I want to get close to you, God. I want to have a heart that's after you. Hallelujah. Saying, I delight to do thy will. Hallelujah. I'm going to hide your word in my heart so I don't stray against the principles that you have taught me. God knew David had a heart of obedience. Amen. David also had a heart of integrity. How many knows what integrity is? Amen. You're going to say amen again like you did before? Or are you going to say you really know? If you don't know what integrity is, I'll tell you what it is. Integrity is doing what is right when nobody else can see you do it. You just do it anyway. Amen. Integrity is realizing that she gave you back too much change at the register. Integrity is walking back into the store because something got left in your buggy. And you want to make sure you're going to pay for it. Integrity is not setting evil things before your eyes when nobody can see that you're setting them there. Integrity is loving God for the Paul, not because you have to, but because he did his best for us. So we desire to do our best for him. Integrity is something that we all must have. Integrity is not being with everyone and choosing to do right. Integrity is choosing to do right when you're with everyone and you're by yourself. You're the only one that's doing it. We are told the reason God chose David in Psalms chapter 78 and 70 it says he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfold. From following the ewes great with young, he brought them to feed Jacob's people and Israel his inheritance. 
So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. That's why God chose David is because he had a heart of integrity. He knew he needed someone that would feed Jacob's people. He knew he needed someone that would guard Israel's inheritance. He knew he needed someone that would be mindful that it was God's kingdom, not his kingdom. That was the problem with Saul. Saul was lifted up in his own eyes and he forgot it was God who placed him there. And he thought it was going to be his kingdom, not God's kingdom. He chose him because he was kingdom minded and he lived according to kingdom principles in his life. Hallelujah. Kingdom principles are simply this. God's kingdom and his will comes first. We find the basis of kingdom principles in Psalms chapter 23 when David said, and uh, in, in, excuse me, in, the, in uh, the, the Lord's prayer when he would say, let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a kingdom principle. God's will on earth must on he- in heaven must be done here on earth. Hallelujah. I want to have that integrity in my heart. I want to understand. Hallelujah. There's things that I can do that nobody sees but God. There's things that I can hide that 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 we know that someday our sins will find us out. Brother Trey and we, Brother Trey talked about this a lot. There's going to be a lot of judgment. After the rapture, after the Lord comes back, many times the scripture talks about there's going to be books open, books of life, books of rewards, books of, 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 of deeds done and not done. A lot of things are going to be opened up. Hallelujah. But Brother Trey, I'm not worried about judgment because God's judgment begins at the house of the Lord. I found my judgment place here is at a place of repentance. Hallelujah. So my integrity with God, regardless of what's going on in my life, hallelujah, maybe God chose me. He Maybe he chose you because he needed somebody to feed the flock. Maybe he told you, chose you because he needed somebody to guard the inheritance that's been passed on from us to generation to generation. Hallelujah. I want to guard the inheritance that's been given to me. I don't want to destroy and tear down the old landmarks, but I want to remember the principles that have been passed on to me from generation. Hallelujah. Maybe that's my only calling. Maybe that's your only responsibility. Hallelujah. To hold fast what has been passed from one generation to the next. Hallelujah. Sister Mahaney and I talk about this all the time. The most tragic thing is not the backslider, but it's the effect that the backslider has on generations to follow. I don't want to backslide and my kids lose their salvation. 
I don't want to backslide. And this church, hallelujah, lose faith in the man of God and the principles of God's word. Hallelujah. I don't want to give up on God. Hallelujah. Because of some situation in my life didn't go my way. Hallelujah. But I want to guard the inheritance that was given to me. Hallelujah. Sister Dorothy, 91 years, 92 years now of this church being established with three pastors. Hallelujah. Brother Wallace carried the torch of inheritance from Brother Dylan. And Brother Brother Wallace trusted me enough. He trusted me enough to say, here is 30 plus years of my life I want to put in your hands. And because he trusted me, because God trusted me, because God places victories, anointings, powers, and, 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 and great blessings in your life. Hallelujah. You say, well, Brother Mahaney, I don't have a, a, an inheritance. I've only been in church a few years. I, my, my, my parents weren't Pentecostal. I won't raise in church. Hallelujah. You know what you're doing? You're starting You are starting an inheritance and a generation that will continue. Sister Tish, you may not have been in this church for a long time. You are a a Pentecostal. You are a Holy Ghost filled apostolic. You started something in your home and your family. Brother Wes and Vanessa are the only ones in their family that are Holy Ghost filled. But you know what? God started something in them 20 years ago. And if they give up on God, if somebody gives up on God, they're going to look at us and say, you know what? Maybe it wasn't all that. Maybe it wasn't really real. Maybe it wasn't what it was. Uh, it should have been. You know what? I don't want my, my testimony uh, of my inconsistency and my lack of integrity in my life, hallelujah, to stop somebody else. If God wants me to feed the flocks of Jacob, I want to feed them. If God wants me to guard the inheritance that's been passed on me, I want to guard it, hallelujah, and I I want to do it according to the integrity of my heart. David had a heart of repentance. When we study the life of David, we find he committed many sins. He numbered Israel against God's commandment. He also committed adultery. And not only did that, but he murdered Or had murdered the husband of the wife that he acted in adultery with to cover up his mistake. Saul and David both sinned. The difference was David repented. We read David's prayer and repentance in Psalms chapter 51. Verse 1 he said, have mercy on me O God. 
according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities. Cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justed, uh, uh, be justed when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Verse 5 says, Behold, I was shaken, shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. He would say, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to know to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, and blast uh, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with a free spirit. Repentance is the key. I say this all the time. I may have not said it often enough, but I I need to say it more often. It's not out of order for us to repent every time we walk into the doors of this church. In fact, it's out of order when we don't. It's not out of order to repent daily. It's not out of order to ask God to purge us and make us clean. It's not out of order for to ask Him to restore joy and gladness. It's not out of order to ask God, hide thy face not from me, hallelujah, but hide thy face from my sin and blot out my transgression, hallelujah. I don't want God to see my iniquity. I don't want God to see my mistakes, hallelujah. I want God to see his blood present in my life, hallelujah. Brother Trey, when the judgment day comes, hallelujah, and the books are open, what he is going to see is blood on our record, hallelujah, because he did not cast us away from his spirit, hallelujah. He will restore in us the joy of our salvation. Hallelujah. I want to pause just for a moment and say this. Holy Ghost filled apostolic Pentecostal people, we should be running overflowing with joy. If you don't have joy in your life, you need to pray, God, give me joy. If you don't have joy in your life, you need to say, God, renew joy. Hallelujah. Because joy, because salvation, Brother Anthony, doesn't come with a hard, harsh, upset, bad spirit. Salvation doesn't come because I had to give up something or I had to surrender something. Salvation comes when we receive it with joy. 
with joy. We will draw waters from the well of salvation freely. With joy, our cup runneth over. Hallelujah. Baptize us with the salvation of joy in our life. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. It's a joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. If you don't have joy in serving God, you need to find an altar and find joy in serving God. Because there's no greater joy. There's no greater privilege. Hallelujah. There's no greater privilege we can have in our life knowing that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't rejoice because demons are subject to you through my name, but rejoice because your name... Hallelujah. When we walk into the church, we need to walk in with joy and a song in our heart. When we invite somebody to church, we need to invite them with joy and expectation. When we share God's word with them, we need to share the joy that comes from living for God. God knew that David had a heart of repentance. And I want to have a heart of repentance. When God looked at David, he saw a heart of dependence, a heart of a servant, a heart of obedience, a heart of integrity, and a heart of repentance. How did the Lord find these things or see these things in David? We find the answer in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17. This is what God told the prophet Samuel. You see, there was another one that was going to be, possibly could be king. David had an older, more handsome, more talented, more capable brother. Man, I'm sure Brother Kyler knows how that feels. <laughs> I just said that because Kyler was preaching it in Dazetta and said uh, God blessed him with humility because he can sing and preach both is what he said, I think. And I'm excited Hunter and Jesser are moving closer to home. I'm excited about that. God told Samuel to look past the older, more talented brother. His name was Eliab. And look for something else. That's why he said in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 17... Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as men seeth. For man looketh on the outward, but God looketh on the heart. 
I'm going to bust somebody's bubble tonight and let you know that this doesn't make you an exempt from not having a good outward. We like to say that. Well, God doesn't look at the outward. He looks at the heart. That's true. But notice the scripture says, says, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man can't see your heart. He can't see your obedience. And he can't see your integrity. And he can't see your servanthood or your repentance or your dependence. But he can look on the outward. And he can see, well, this lady, this man has made a commitment to God. They must be reflecting something from the inside to the outward. So relieve yourself of this idea that it negates any responsibility to your outward man. It doesn't. God seeth the heart. You're not God, by the way. <laughs> and I'm not God, so I can't seeth the heart. The man does look on the outward appearance. I want my outward appearance to be a reflection of my inward. Before man or woman can determine whether I am a servant or obedient or a man of integrity or, in, or repentance, they should be able to see that reflection coming out of me. God told him, don't look on the heart or the outward. Look on the heart. Michelangelo, the great artist, was walking down the street of Florence in Italy one day. And he saw a block of marble laying in an empty lot. Sister Jules, I'm just telling you, I'm telling this story to tell you. Remember you told me you want to hear stories. This is a story. <laughs> I said, well, I tell stories, Sister Jill. She goes, well, about the Bible. <laughs> so Michelangelo saw this block of marble laying in an empty lot, and he asked about the marble, and the owner would say to him, it's worthless and good for nothing. It's nothing but a paving stone. Michelangelo asked if he could have the block of marble. The great sculptor said this when he asked for the block of marble. He said, there's something special imprisoned in that stone, and I want to get it out. Michelangelo would create from a worthless, good-for-nothing paving block one of his greatest masterpieces, the sculpture entitled King David. I'm thankful that God looks in our hearts. 
saw David, a man of dependence, a man of a who was a servant, a man of obedience, a man of integrity, and a man of repentance. And he said, that's a man after my heart. I want to be a man after God's heart. How about you tonight? I wish we'd lift our hands. I wish we'd stand to our feet and lift our hands and our voices.